0: So do we have any feedback or follow-up? I realized that Jervon and I went to a Haskell hackathon and didn't actually talk about it last week at all.
1: How was the Haskell hackathon? It was great, Len. Thanks for asking.
0: (laughs) I only went for, like, so it was three days. I only went for the first night. It was uh, very academic, which I guess is, uh, I mean, like, a lot lot of the attendees were from college, uh, which I guess makes sense because it was hosted at a college and it's Haskell. Did anyone actually build anything? Uh, I tried to build a URL shortener, which is something I've built in many languages. And it's like my, my test of like, can I, do I like this language, I guess? Like I, I try to like get that done. And then I consider myself like, okay, I learned enough to decide if I want to do more with it. Did you change your, your mind at all? So doing IO in Haskell, whenever you, okay, so, so functions have return types. Everything has a type. So a function can return like, you know, Reverse right might take uh, I'm not sure if this actually exists, but it takes like a string and then it would like reverse the string and return another string. So the input is a, is a string type and the output is string type. But if you do any I/O, like let's say you print to the screen or write to a file or open a database, then your function returns I/O string. And any function that uses that function also has to return I/O something. So then you like you get like you get I/O
1: all over you and you can't get it off. <laughs> Uh, so wait, what's the difference if you like change an IO string? Does it go to whatever the output is? Well, I'm just saying, like any function that you do any IO in,
0: like it has to return IO space whatever yeah. the actual return type is. Yeah. So, so that's really hard to do <laughs> uh, in general. But I've had trouble with it because the so the URL shortener I'm trying to write has to keep the state in memory, which is like globally mutable state. But the the trick is to try to find a way in each language to safely do that. And and Haskell has a way to do it. I just don't know how to get the types to all line up so that they all work. Um, But Haskell does have this one method that actually takes an I.O. something and just returns a something, which gets the I.O. off of it. And the name of that function is called unsafe perform (laughs) I.O. Because it is extremely unsafe. So I finished my URL shortener actually this weekend uh, using that, and it's kind of a cheat. And I think I'm done
1: with Haskell for a little bit until I have something more interesting right now. (laughs) Uh, So wait, is is an I.O. something kind of like a generic...
0: It is a monad, I think. Uh, it it's a container that has something in it. So if it returns IO String, it's an IO monad with a string inside. We should we should we should pair on more Haskell. <laughs> Javon and I paired that Friday on uh, the pure part of the URL shortener, which is like, hey, take a URL and put it in this world or dictionary or whatever, and then give me back a token. That went pretty well. I love pair programming.
2: We also paired on the uh, global IORF.
0: We did do that, yes. Yeah, it was actually your idea to to try to search for Haskell global variable, which is a funny thing to search for. I can keep going. You
1: want to keep going? (laughs) Uh, Maybe. So were people like not sleeping or? I don't know. Like we left it like uh, like an hour before it
0: ended on Friday. Um, no, so we right. actually
2: stayed till. So. Do we stay till? We stayed yeah, till like we nine, st-
0: nine. I think it's ended at nine thirty.
2: And by the time we ended up like leaving the building, it was over. Like when uh, I okay. packed up, they they, were back they asked oh. people to leave.
0: Yeah, I don't know what everybody else was working on there. There was a board where you could write down like what you were wanting to learn and what you were willing to teach people. And uh, I caught secondhand uh, a PhD student giving a blackboard talk about type theory which I guess would have been interesting to listen to, but I don't know anything about it. Could you hear that cat? I could hear the cat. You want to join the podcast?
3: <laughs> I mean, first you have to get a Fiverr commissioned. Of the cat? Of the cat.
0: Oh, that would be so cool. <laughs> up artwork. I really like uh, the one that you did,
1: Corey Barker. Yeah, came out Italian. really well. That was the same guy I used for the uh, the podcast uh, drawings.
0: So when you when you do a Fiverr, you can like request a person that you've used before, or
1: yeah, you always request a person. I think you don't just like put the job out in the open. So there's so it's kind of like Etsy. They have like a store. Like hey, I can do this for you. Yeah, and they have samples. And then usually, like you don't want just a five dollar one. You just want some of the like add ons. Like pay extra twenty dollars, and I'll make it good. <laughs> I think it's funny that it's like the name is Fiverr, and everything has to start at five
0: dollars, but there's always an upcharge yeah <laughs> like if you want this to be worth anything pay me more i yeah I, I mean i don't i'm not saying that anybody should draw a picture for five dollars it sounds
1: like a very low rate it'd just be cool if it was like hey 60 bucks and i'll do a caricature of you if you guys looked at the psds of, of the uh, podcast drawings it looks like he's probably got a rhythm down mm. like he just has he has all these layers that are set and i think he just puts the sketch in and he probably he probably uh just the goes colors. through them pretty quick yeah and I had him use the background that's our co- that corresponds to our color in the, uh, on the website.
2: You're so creative, man.
1: <laughs> what have you guys been learning, playing with these past few weeks? I'm going to blame you and say nothing. I've been learning how to avoid uh, all kinds of zombies in, le- in uh, The Last of Us.
0: That's, that's about it. Video games. Pam, what have you been up to? Scala. How's Scala going?
3: That's good. Um, last week is pretty much the week. So this is the last week of the Scala course. And last week was the one where I just I ran out of time and didn't finish the assignment, so I turned it in and got like five points on it out of twenty. But um, that's, that's an F. It is definitely an F. Um, but I'm still gonna finish the last week and just it will be my first uh, Coursera course that I've actually finished but failed. So oh wow. Yeah. So.
0: Have you been poking but, any of the, like the Scala code bases at, at your job?
3: Um, not yet, but there is one project that we've been and we've been talking, and they want some help. So oh, cool. mm mm-hmm. So that should be fun. Sorry, my cat's on a tirade right now.
0: My cat's just nuzzling in my my knuckles. If I don't if I don't pet him right now, it'll help me out a lot.
3: <laughs> so we're basically both trapped by cats.
0: Yep, held hostage.
3: <laughs> but yeah, did we want to talk about interviews?
0: Uh, yeah. Let's do that. Sure. <laughs> What would you say your greatest quality is? Oh no!
1: What's your what's your uh, worst quality? What's
3: your biggest? What's your biggest weakness?
1: What? Tell me about a time. My biggest did,
3: weakness is I care too much.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I just put too much effort into everything that I do. Tell me
0: yeah, about a time I that just, you had I do a situation, way
3: too much work more than anyone else.
0: Did <laughs> you had a situation go wrong, and how did you handle it? That's actually not a terrible question. No, no, these are
1: all great questions. <laughs> it's just the very cliche. <laughs> No, I think your biggest weakness is like my pet peeve of interview questions. I hate that so much. What do you guys say? What Justin? What's your biggest weakness? Cats. Pam, what's your biggest weakness?
3: Oh, definitely cats on keyboards. Cats on keyboards. Cat
1: gifts distracting. Jervon, what's your biggest weakness?
2: (laughs) Probably not having a weakness. (laughs) Hey. Oh.
0: (laughs) 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 Too perfect. We should seriously answer these. I'm 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 curious now. I'm trying to think of mine. My biggest weakness. My biggest weakness is I have problems seeing past, like, uh, I'll go social and then technical. Uh, I have problems seeing past, like, uh, personal differences. And then on a technical level, I have problems seeing past, like, syntax. Like, if, if, like, Ruby, for instance, if it's not formatted, like, if the code's, like, ugly, looks like somebody, like, wrote, wrote it and didn't care, then I can't actually see what it does. I just, all I see is just, like, ugly syntax and I have to fix it.
3: I'm probably that way with white space, mm. which oh, is man. similar. But yeah. just like when the white space is wrong. It Why just... isn't this
1: indented correctly? Why didn't
0: you put I'll a space to these two brackets? giant
3: white space commits.
1: Uh, see, that's, that's one of my big pet peeves too. And I used to not care because I didn't have white space turned on. And then I, had a, I worked with people who did care. So I put white space like annoying characters on. And now because I see these annoying characters, white space just makes me very irate. So that's my biggest weakness is getting very irate over random <laughs> my things. My biggest
0: weakness is white space. White space. Uh, my the biggest weakness is I still use arrow keys with them. That's
1: pretty bad one. <laughs> I've been getting along okay. Uh, oh, it's HR,
0: nice. will, HR will get back to you.
1: Uh, HR? <laughs> you need corrective action. No, that's always the like you're not getting the job thing. Like, uh, Yeah, uh, HR will get back to you uh, in a week or two because I don't want to tell you you didn't get the job. <laughs>
2: Isn't there a default message for when you don't get the job? Like,
1: Actually,
3: Sometimes just, the default message is just not hearing anything.
1: That's what I usually hear. Silence. Yeah. One time I went
0: on a job interview and I didn't get it. And then two or three years later, I worked at a company and they came in to pitch us to sell us something. <laughs> and I got to turn them down.
1: That was fun. Why do you think you normally don't hear back? So
3: I think really, there's just like, too many candidates. I mean, I I guess nowadays I don't apply when I'm looking for a job, I wouldn't ever apply in a large batch. So, I don't I I actually usually don't not hear from people because they usually get far enough that they should tell me. Um or I've always gotten accepted. But yeah, if you're just going through the the large pool thing and you don't make it very far, you make it to like a phone screen or something. I understand not getting like any, anything back because there's just a lot, there's a lot of people at that. But if you went in person and especially if you spent, you know, some of these, you know, you, you spend six hours of your life in their office and if they don't call you back to tell you the courtesy that they went with someone else, that isn't very cool.
1: Right. Sometimes I think it's that you're just their plan B and they don't want to uh, like burn that bridge. If whoever they hire doesn't work out.
3: Well, yeah, yeah. That you're, that, yeah, usually you're probably an alternate. And so then they're going through the offer process with someone else, which can take some amount of time. Sure. So it seems like forever. And then by the time that person finally says yes, they've forgotten all about you. That's, that's probably a good guess.
1: Or it just doesn't work out and they are just using like a job for like, you know, counter offer or something like that.
0: I just find that like if you're, I've never like interviewed somebody, but I've been responsible for like following up with people. I guess is what way to put it. Um, but like you just like don't have time in the week to to tell somebody no. I guess. Like I, I know it's like best practice and you should do it. Uh, and I, I'm ever in a position to interview again. I will definitely let people know if they've got the job or not. Either way, but it's just a lot of a lot of work.
1: Well, I was responsible for interviewing people, and I definitely did not uh, take that responsibility because I I did one time and like. This guy got really upset and he was almost teary eyed. I'm like, oh my God, get me out of here. So then
3: you were like, why are you having feelings in front of me? Can we stop? Yes. Yes.
1: Uh, so then my strategy is probably terrible. My strategy was like, if I was asking questions and the person was like, clearly not like cut out for the job, I would just start asking easier questions to make them feel better. And they'd be like, thanks for coming in. Uh, HR, will get back to you. Oh my God. <laughs> That's oh, Lynn. Lynn's, but you Lynn's aren't. the social you, engineer.
3: <laughs> you aren't the first person I've heard to do that.
1: I mean, plus it wasn't exactly my call. I mean, I was pretty sure they were getting the job, but I didn't really have the final say. But yeah, definitely. Well, that's actually a I good haven't.
3: point for interviews. Is that I I do kind of like the 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 Joel rule that if anyone says no, then it's no. Right. You know that, that about worked interviewing. Worked, I really hope it. I I want it to be that way because I I think it does.
0: Help. Well, I've been in a situation where it's like a couple managers say yes, and like engineering says no, no way. Yeah. And hire them anyway.
3: Right. And then, and then you're like, please don't be surprised when I'm not happy with the situation.
1: <laughs> also, why did you even bother to have me in the interview? Yes.
3: Like if you didn't respect my opinion. Yeah. And like one of the best ways to show that they respect your opinion is to have the power of veto. Yeah. But and, it's I, and I also, I also three. like that the, the rule is uh, that if you say, Yes, but I don't want them to be on my team. Then it's also a veto. <laughs> I like that role I feel because right.
0: they should get the job.
3: Well, because if you don't want them on your team, then like you know, in in the circle of life, they'll eventually be on your team. So it, it really is actually a no.
0: If you talk about interview styles, like has anybody had the whiteboard interview?
1: Uh-huh. Oh, this is terrible. I've Writing a code one. on the whiteboard.
3: I've only done like two whiteboard interviews total. I think. I've done some pairing interviews. Those are better. I've,
0: I've gotten whiteboard interviews and instantly put my laptop out instead and opened <laughs> it and said, here you go. Hey, yeah. Here. yeah. Like, why would I... I don't write code on a whiteboard every day.
2: Well, I didn't have to write code. I had to diagram something.
0: Uh, that's okay, I guess. Mm-hmm. You're just explaining something. How was, how was your pairing interview, Pam?
3: I mean, it went well. <laughs> oh. They were oh. they were good. Uh, so it's, it, you we... Uh, a couple places or at least they or there are some that were kind of like in the same way but they weren't actually pairing but you set someone up with a set of exercises and then then they have a computer and so then they have an environment where they can mess around with stuff and you get to watch and see how how they handle it
1: yeah those are my favorite the Interview I've been on on the receiving end that made me feel the most comfortable was actually the last real job that I had, the job job, the final interview was pairing with somebody on their actual like job for like four hours. And I just felt great about that. I knew what working with them was like. I knew what the code base was like, which is usually Did you get it? Yeah, I got it. But I, I, usually like the day before I start a job I'm like wondering to myself, what have I gotten into? Did I make a huge mistake? Uh is a code base just a huge pile of garbage? But I actually worked in the code base for a few hours and I knew that, you know, parts of it weren't great, but I knew exactly what I was getting into and I definitely would want to do that again.
0: I like pairing interviews, but I wonder if um if somebody's not pairing for their day job and they're not used to pairing, if that's like unfair amount of pressure to like code in front of somebody.
3: Well, you're gonna code in front of somebody somehow anyway.
0: Yeah, I mean like like right now, like we pair full time and I know you pair occasionally Pam. I mean, not, not every software development shop does that.
3: Yeah, yeah. But I don't think it's... I think for an interview, it would be okay. I think it's more important that the, the interviewer is also open if someone, you know, hasn't been pairing. Mm. And that's generally, I think, true of other kind of work styles. When, when people ask you about, well, how... How agile are you and stuff like that? And if you're the place you're coming from as an organization didn't have practices, it's not really fair to judge you based on larger, like big, big organizational decisions. So I think if you're doing a pairing interview, then being open to, hey, have you paired before? Well, here's how it kind of works. Like you'll all type and you'll be the navigator and da 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 da.
1: So, what were you guys' worst interviews? Do we have any harder stories? Worst interviews? The
3: fun. I mean, I had I had one phone screen where someone was asking me about my computer networking experience. Oh (laughs) no, that was pretty bad.
0: I was at a a recruiter.
3: That was just, and it was a large tech company, and it was. I just don't even know how you got like where where you got that from.
0: (laughs) Earlier on my career, I was at like a technical placement firm, I guess, like a staffing firm, and I was interviewing for a job for uh, systems administration so I was like supposed to like take care of servers and I already had experience doing that and they made me take this test that was like judging your familiarity with like Windows it was like it was like showing a picture of a scroll bar it was like what is this how do you use it <laughs> uh, if you were to turn the computer off where would you go uh, and I did this for like 10 minutes and then I saw that I was like only like a small percentage done so I got up told the secretary that I was leaving and left. <laughs>
2: I don't think I have any. I've had bad, really bad experiences. There are definitely maybe times when I was like, "Should maybe I you just answered enough. that really wrong."
3: I definitely, because I I definitely have more.
2: What's your worst one?
3: Mine. I I think the networking one was pretty bad. Um, there was one I bombed on a phone screen because they did it like twenty questions. Um, actually, there were a couple like that where that was their approach to a phone screen was twenty questions, and I don't I don't really. One of my weaknesses is that I don't like <laughs> to lie, um, and so if I don't know something off the top of my head, I say, well, I don't know that off the top of my head, but I would look that up, right. <laughs> like, uh, that's, you know, and these weren't, you know, this was, uh, but... Yeah, so they they were looking for someone who just I guess was a technician, which also you know you learn a lot about those kind of, from those kind of interviews as someone's looking for a technician rather than just a smart person. Right. Uh, well, that also so, just
1: sounds like being good at trivia.
3: Yeah, there was one where it was even like about the history of the language, and I was like, why? <laughs> <sighs> like I I didn't know like biographical details of the author's life and. I was just like, why are you asking me this question? This is so dumb. Yeah. And that one of those, I actually was was called back for a second interview. And just based on that phone screen, I was like, yeah, I don't think it's going to work out.
1: Hearing the I don't know was always something I looked for. Because I'd always rather someone admit they don't know than just try to guess at an answer. That's always a bad sign.
0: Yeah, for a technical yeah. position,
1: I'm always interested in how people think, than what
2: they know. Because you're not going to know everything. Exactly. So I heard you should always be interviewing, even if you're not looking. ABI. Did you ABI. hear
3: that? Did you hear that from me? <laughs> I may have told you that before. I
2: think you said it in the podcast.
3: I, probably. I think it's. A, I think it's good to interview. Uh, it's. It's just. A, it's a skill, and if you don't do it, then you won't be good at it. So, mm-hmm. um, and and of course, there's different kinds of interviews too. Like there's the let's. I, my preferred interview nowadays is the let's have coffee and have a conversation about our mutual benefit. But I think it's I think it's good to interview a lot, and especially to interview kind of in this is not that great to say, but in kind of low stake situations. <laughs> but uh, if you ever want to practice interviewing, uh, just go on AngelList and interview with a bunch of startups. Oh,
1: because
3: <laughs> <laughs> they because they won't because uh, they probably won't be able to offer you something you want anyway.
2: <laughs> so. But I think that goes both ways. I think companies also always want to interview. So a candidate or you might a person might think that you're using the company but sometimes the company is using you so
3: well and i've also yeah i've 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 actually worried about that before of if you know if i'm getting called in because they have to have so many people interview when when i get the no really interview anyway i'm like why are you saying that i'm suspicious uh but also also, interviewing is kind of a dating thing. So sometimes you, depending on how good a company is at interviewing, honestly, they can try and woo you during the interview process. So it's, it's, the, if you treat interviewing like a, like a marketing funnel almost, mm-hmm. so you have a lot of people come in and then the really good people, it's not so much that you're getting them to prove how good they are because you might have brought them in based on reputation and you hope like you know how good they are. And, it's more your job to convert them into employees. So I I think that that's just a weakness of some companies. Don't realize how much they need to be selling their company during the interview.
1: And I think a lot of people who are getting the interview also, you know, you need to realize you should be also giving an interview back. Like you should be trying to understand what you're getting into and ask lots yeah, and lots of, I've, lots of I've questions. Yeah, I've
3: actually, yeah, I've been a little weak on that sometimes because I'll. I'll focus really hard on getting the offer. And then I'll, you know, because I'm, you know, because once you get the offer, you can figure a lot out later. But I didn't know some basic stuff a few times. And I just, you know, didn't accept because I was like, I actually haven't been to your office. Um, Stuff like that. Yeah,
1: (laughs) always always ask for the tour. Yeah. (laughs) See like how happy or how miserable everybody is.
3: Yeah, like that's a very basic thing. And (laughs) I hadn't actually seen people working. (laughs) Uh make sure they don't have like five year old
1: laptops and like twenty two inch screens.
3: See if they're eating at their desk. I eat my desk. (laughs) Don't eat at your desk. That's a red flag. I like that a lot. Eating at your desk alone. No,
1: no, no. No,
0: I like that uh, as a red flag. (laughs) Because I always, I feel feel that way, but you just verbalize perfectly.
3: That eating at your desk is bad?
0: Yeah. Or like the the
1: team all eating at their desk is bad.
0: It's
3: just, yeah, it's a symptom. Like it's just depressing. (laughs) Yeah,
1: exactly. (laughs) But I feel like you could just get, besides those flags, you could just get a good vibe of the team and see if it's energetic or if they're like, for sure, out.
3: yeah. If you if you interview only with you know say four or five people, you probably met a few managers and a few engineers, but you'll work with more engineers, maybe even some cross functional people that you can meet. Stuff like that.
1: One of my other tips is um, always just try to talk a lot. Like I know being on the other end of the conversation, I'm usually asking what? questions. I'm usually just asking questions to get a better feel for the person. And if you're just waiting for a question, you know, you might get a question that's not perfect for you. So I think it's always a good idea to just talk about what you're passionate about and just kind of control the conversation before it like maybe dives into an area you're weaker in. So I I actually give the opposite advice. Really?
3: I give the opposite advice because when you... I think part of what you're saying is that you really definitely don't want awkward silence. And sure, I can agree with that. But I also find it to be my job to get the other, the person interviewing me to talk a lot. Because that's part of how I can research and get them to talk about, you know. And as they, they talk more, they get more relaxed. And they're more likely to tell me how things really are. Right. And then they'll be honest. And and also, is a psychological thing, too, is the more you get the other person to talk, the more they like you. Okay. So... There's a psychological game in it.
1: I think we're both trying to uh, advocate controlling the conversation a little more.
3: Yeah, that you have a direction for the conversation and you have your goals and that you kind of get your agenda across. Totally. Because I I feel almost that I even, you know, by the end of an interview, I've usually asked so many questions that if they ask me, do you have any? So do you have any questions? And I say, well, (laughs) I kind of already asked them. And it'll be then they'll say, oh, yeah, I guess you have. (laughs) And that comes off well. So what about when you interview people? I've seen a few people bomb in front of me. I and mean, you talked about it. someone like cried. I just
1: said, I don't think this is working out. And she was like getting teary eyed. was very upsetting. <laughs> and then I didn't know what to do. I just kind of sat there. <laughs> <laughs> I did have one terrible experience. This was my worst interviewing experience. Uh, but being on the side of the interviewer, I was interviewing somebody with my boss at the time. And they were clearly not working out. And I already had adopted the strategy of, like, starting to ask easier questions to, like, make oh, them feel better. Oh, so you
3: did it in front of your boss? And no. then your boss...
1: No, my boss just took what? the opposite track. It's, like, this, they didn't know, like, basic stuff. And he just starts, like, getting deeper into, like, .NET internals. So I'm, like, they didn't know how to assign a variable. Like, they're not going to understand, like, all these intricacies of, like, intermediate language, like... We can stop. <laughs> and it was just so uncomfortable. It's was just like going down this checklist of questions that the person didn't know. And it was just, it was terrible. I didn't stay at that job for very much longer.
2: <laughs> I think being the interviewer, you have to be aware of your situation and be able to adapt to the person. And maybe like the person knows what they're talking about, but they're just nervous. So you, if you mm-hmm. ease up, they'll get more comfortable and then you go back to the normal, normal flow of questions. So I think being able to sense what's going on is uh, like a good interviewer quality.
1: Yeah. What's your favorite question as an interviewer?
2: Tell me about your weaknesses. <laughs> I don't know. I've only interviewed like 3 people and they were like co-ops. Pam,
1: what's your favorite question to give?
3: I do it's it is an interview question, but I like the tell me about a conflict on your team and how you resolved it. Oh, I hate that. Yeah, but... Linda's <laughs> does resolve way. it. <laughs> yeah, but... I just you, throw my hands up in the air. <laughs> that's, if you, that's once you get past the technical stuff and you say, well, is this actually a person I want to work with? How do they work on teams? Do they just do stuff by themselves?
1: My favorite question is to ask what their favorite project was inside or outside of work. Again, just giving them the opportunity to like tell me what they can do and what they like to do. Yeah, I, same. And if they don't have an answer for that... I, Find that to be a red flag.
3: What was the question again?
1: Well, uh, what's the f- what's the favorite your favorite thing that you've worked on inside or outside of work?
3: Oh yeah, that's a well, that's you, a you fine just, one. That's not you, too interviewy. It's just, just good. like
1: what have you worked on
0: maybe outside of work or or. or...
3: But that's controversial.
0: Yeah, you're right.
3: That's not really fair.
0: I'm interested. In what are interested in?
2: Have you had like a? Len, have you ever had someone that was uh, didn't really answer the questions, but. Always answered anyway. A personal. <laughs> like a politician. Person.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't mind that as long as they've said something interesting that's, you know, let me uh, get a better insight into them. I feel like if you get a question that you don't particularly love, rephrasing it is fair game. I should have rephrased that question and not answered it.
0: <laughs> I have a question. What is your best interview for a job that you didn't get or didn't take?
1: What?
3: That's a good question.
0: Have any of you like learned something from the interview, even though you didn't get the job? or
3: One of my first interviews, uh, technical interviews, was kind of like that. It was, I got the interview on virtue of having been at a Drupal uh, conference. And basically someone hooked me up with an interview just by the, literally it was, if you're here at this Drupal conference, you're probably competent. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's it's not, much it's not a
0: bad assumption.
3: It's not. I mean, it's actually not a bad assumption. But the thing is, uh, so I completely bombed it. I didn't really know anything at the time. I was still teaching myself a lot about web development. And but the person, it was it was kind of it was a technical phone interview where they would send me the problem and I would send a solution back and we would talk through it. And I obviously didn't know anything, but they actually almost treated it like a tutoring session. And they didn't make me feel dumb or anything, but I knew I did not get the job for sure. (laughs) Because I just knew that I didn't know anything. Um, But I really, really appreciated the way they handled it. So maybe, Len, your approach isn't so bad.
1: That's good to know. (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> if you're yeah, actually I so if, some, like
1: if it.
0: somebody's bombing take the opportunity to part of it is something.
3: that I, I i knew that i was bombing like pa- partially i guess it's me too is that i didn't think oh man i did so well <laughs> uh is that i knew that i bombed and i knew that i was learning something new along the process and it helped me know just how much i didn't know so especially when i when i've done badly on interviews that's when they've been the most helpful is when i knew what i did wrong And so then I could go back and and study more, you know, decide this is the thing I want to work on to get good at, uh, and that kind of thing. Here's where my weaknesses are that didn't make me right for that role. And so so it's nice when that happens in technical skills. So in technical skills, you can fix it. Personal ones, you can't.
1: (laughs) I did get questions on technologies that I wasn't uh, proficient in. And I was confused. I'm like, why did you, you ask me that? And like, well, it's on your resume. And then I asked for Ooh. my resume. And I did not put that on my resume. So uh, I learned to always bring paper copies of your yeah. resume. If you ever go through a recruiter, at least. Which, Well, tip number one, I guess this was that's, many mistakes.
3: <laughs> that's an old school one. But yeah, I think people probably forget to do that one anymore. But really, you should. Or... Or I'll do the techie thing and I'll bring my iPad ah, with good. my copy of my resume on it. <laughs> so I guess I, there were many I absolutely
0: hate when like a recruiter will say like, "Give me your resume and then I'll you know touch it up a little bit for you." Yeah, yeah. And it's like so problem. offensive it's to me because it's like I've already yeah. put everything that I want to put on it. <laughs> they will do that. Like they will always do that. Tip number
1: one: don't use recruiters. Tip number two: if you do, definitely just bring your own resume because they will probably modify it.
2: Or yeah, don't use recruiters. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Lots of MongoDB experience.
0: use <laughs> XML, right? XML, put that on there. JavaScript? That's Java, right? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Certain people had- say
2: JavaScript really, really funny. They like stress the, the Java. JavaScript? JavaScript. JavaScript. JavaScript.
3: JavaScript.
0: I like Guy Bernhardt's talk about the history of JavaScript, where in the future we've forgotten how to pronounce it. <laughs> Sorry. What was that? The cats were fighting.
3: Was that a cat bark?
2: Yeah. <laughs> it sounded like a bark. I was like, "What? That's not Corey."
0: Don't don't, don't edit that out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> cat bark. I'm gonna use that for the intro.
0: So I had I had an interview once where it was well above my uh my head the job, um but the interview went well and I was asked like you know I was doing it in Ruby but it was like if if you didn't have something. I think it was a substring right like like find a string inside of a string so in ruby you can just do like scan or match with the regex or whatever so he was like no take take r- write this function as if you didn't have that method in ruby so i did that i did a pretty j- bad job on it and then later i researched you know what i could have done better and it was pretty eye-opening on, on to like how to do i guess it's almost like recursion or like list processing of of like computing a character and then entering a loop and doing something with it. So that was pretty cool. And then uh, also he asked me questions about um, MapReduce. And he knew I had no experience with MapReduce, but he was trying to lead me to, like, how do you compute a graph and how do you find um, graph edges, I guess, like people connected to each other. And what he was trying to get me to say was... uh, like, if you have, if you have, Pam and I are friends, then when you're trying to compute, like, a graph of friendships, you need to admit that Pam is my friend and I am her friend. Like, you need to omit two two things instead of one. And I couldn't get that because I was in a mindset that, you know, functions can only return one thing. And so that was kind of cool. So I learned about MapReduce. I learned about, um, I guess, stream processing or character processing. Uh, it was pretty good. I had not got the job.
1: And it was probably well well over my head anyway, so... I do like really open questions like that. Like one question I received one time was like, uh, write a database. <laughs> no uh, no further details. And I had a pencil and paper in front of me. But it was good because I could just, you know, whatever you know or whatever your ideas are or whatever your instincts are on, on what that means, so, you know, open your interpretation. And you get an idea on what that person knows.
2: You draw a table with cells. <laughs> I had a
0: one interview question that was like, uh, this auto parts store needs uh, a inventory system uh, so how would you go about building one and my answer was like well they probably can't afford a full time development staff for a year so they should probably just <laughs> buy some out of box solution but if they didn't this is how I would do it <laughs> and they were consulting companies so they were like yeah I assume they didn't shall we go into
1: picks sure do you have a pick Justin you probably have a pick before I say that I, don't know. That's the
3: curse. <laughs> I have one So I, Julia Evans has this great long list of questions to ask in interviews and they're grouped. And so, so by engineering practices, management style, quality of life, culture, business, uh, stuff like that. So lots of good questions so that you can filter out of place. So engineering stuff. And she says that, you know, it's. You, it's not like you bring these all in and you check them off as you go. It's you kind of see see when it's appropriate to say what. But asking about a deployment process, how do you do QA? How do you deal with how do you how do developers talk to non-developers? Uh, how do you talk to customers? Do engineers ever talk to customers? Stuff like that. So it's a really good list of questions, and I recommend using it.
1: That sounds really good. It's really topical.
3: It's very topical.
1: <laughs> so My pick is Vimplug. I somehow went from having no plugin manager, just a, a Ruby script that I had, uh, to skipping over Vundle to Vimplug. Uh, but I like Vimplug because it can do like lazy loading of plugins. So if you have a plugin that maybe just does slim templates, uh, this won't load the plugin until you do that template. Or it can also toggle plugins on commands. So you don't need tree until you actually try to look at tree. Uh, And then the final thing is the update is just really cool. Uh, When you update your plugins, you can see a list of the commits that went in. So you actually know what changed when you update your plugins. So my pick is VimPlug for all the Vim users. I've been meaning to try that out.
2: Is there a... Pause when it loads the plugin or is it pretty like snappy? <laughs>
1: no, I never noticed I never okay. noticed it's fast. But you you can do vimplug status and then you could see what plugins are loaded. So that's the only reason you know it loaded. So you could like like do vimplug status and you see nerd tree is not loaded, and then you do like nerd tree toggle, and then you can see that nerd tree is loaded. Mm,
2: cool. Mm. I can go. Okay. Um, so I'm gonna pick TMUC as my software pick. I've been trying to convince a coworker that it's worth trying and very useful. Um, and then my music pick is let me open up Shazam.
1: Your music pick uh, is in Shazam. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you didn't know what your pick was, and you had to like look it up.
2: No, no, I looked it up earlier, but I forgot it. And then I was like, I know where it is. Shazam! Uh, it's "I Won't Be Found" by the tallest man on earth.
0: Did you know Siri will now will now find music for you too? Oh, I didn't know
2: that. You can say, "What song
0: is this?" Does it work? I haven't tried it. No,
1: it's on the pick. Justin, you have a pick.
0: Yeah, my pick is OCaml. Uh, I ha- heard somebody at the Haskell Hackathon talking about how um, they were comparing standard ML to OCaml, and they said standard ML is like a more practical um, Haskell. Uh, it's a little less strict about type purity and things. Um, So, I researched standard ML, and then I found this comparison. I should put the comparison in in the link, too. Uh, OCaml versus standard ML. And OCaml is a little more widely used in industry than standard ML. Standard ML is still on the academic scale of, like, Haskell. Um, All three languages are ML-inspired. They have slightly similar syntax and semantics, um, but they're also slightly different. Um, So the book i'm reading is real world ocaml functional programming for the masses so check out the book check out uh ocaml i think we picked before uh learn x, learn x and y minutes um i think pam picked that so go go there check out ocaml's learn x and y minutes and uh yeah i think it's i think it's been the next language that i spend like a month or so with trying to play with and learn
1: and build a url Sure.
0: Yes, and and all the logos are camels, so that's cool, too. Yeah. Cool. You know,
2: if someone merged that pull request, we can have a Pix page. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get on that. <laughs>
1: Uh yeah, so cool. So show notes are at uh Turing.cool slash twenty-six if you want to uh merge our pull request or comment on it. Uh, our GitHub is github.com slash Turing dash incomplete. We're still taking uh topic suggestions there under our issues. And uh follow us on Twitter at Turing Cool and I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye everybody.
3: Bye. See Bye. You guys. So I'll mute myself when I'm clicking my mouse. Wait
1: oh. <laughs> You're clicking your mouse while you're talking? That's some impressive multitasking.
3: I mean, I'm doing stuff.
1: (laughs) playing Solitaire.
3: (laughs) That's like a very mouse-intensive activity. Playing Bejewel. No, Bejewel's better as a touch game.
0: What's a game that you click and drag a lot?
3: Solitaire. I'd say that's probably the best one. Visual Studio. Visual Studio. (laughs) game where you click and drag a lot.
1: Xcode. (laughs) Ew. So what did you guys think of the uh, Fiverr images? they look really cool
3: i mean you look like a backstreet boy
1: <laughs> i have no lips
3: yeah i mean it definitely makes len look the best so i think he knew his audience
1: really i thought i didn't like mine i thought pam's came out best
3: oh thanks but i think <laughs> I like he Dra- made your eyes look deep len
1: Uh yeah i like
0: javon's
2: collared shirt yeah i like that <laughs> thanks for doing that
1: i'll try to get it on the uh background of twitter sometime soon did it cost
0: you
2: five dollars
1: it cost me $5 and then $5 for each additional person and then like <laughs> $20 to get the PSD. So I think it was like, after everything was done, it was like $60. Bucks. But oh, then, wow. I owe you uh, <laughs> one. Tr- but if you just wanted one small picture like that, it would be 5 bucks. Hmm. I wonder if I could like do that every day.
0: <laughs> get a new picture. Commission of a Fiverr? I'll wake up, get dressed, take a picture, send it to Fiverr, get a drawn image and change my Twitter back, my profile pic. Here's the cartoon version of what Justin's wearing today.
2: (laughs) There's probably an app you can take a picture of yourself.
0: Make it cartoonified? Mm -hmm. Hmm. It sounds hard.